0: WBT, hour number two, Pete Callender here, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110, and the email is pete at com. Going over the details of the uh, Club Q shooting, if you want just sort of the the background, that's the last hour I went over sort of what we know about the, the hero who stopped the shooter, some of the background uh, of the shooter, uh, and again, standard... Uh, Disclaimers that I always give on these types of stories because it needs to be said every time. Uh, I oppose violence for any political aim. Politics is is the use of words rather than violence. That's what politics, that's what political discourse is supposed to be about. That's why we engage in politics and political discourse. And no, I don't, unless someone is directly calling for Violence against somebody else, I do not hold people responsible for any kind of political position that some madman then uses to justify acts of violence. That being said, we are all rational people attempting to make sense of evil, attempting to make sense of irrational things, and we will always fall short in that regard. Because our brains don't think like that and can't comprehend why would somebody do this? And it becomes very, very easy to just project onto the irrational, the insane person, uh, the evil person. It's easy to project upon them all of the political motivations or belief systems of the people that you already don't like. And to that degree, I find it grotesque to use the dead to advance your political agenda. I find it disturbing when people use tragedies to shut up their opponents and that's what we are now seeing let me go over to this piece at pjmedia.com by matt margolis or margolis who uh this would have been yesterday or sorry um sunday uh in the immediate aftermath of the shooting we don't know the facts we still don't know the facts it's been you know 36, 48 hours now. We still don't know all the facts. The left has already already decided who to blame, and that is Republicans, because it has the convenient byproduct of getting Republicans to shut up about things that the left doesn't want to have to discuss or defend, which, again, that's the whole point of political discourse. It's how you solve things in a civilized society. You have these debates, and people oppose the things that you want, and you oppose the things that they want. You take votes, you try to find compromise legislatively and that sort of thing. Maybe you go through the court systems. That's how it's supposed to work. Everybody that disagrees with your political views is not an insurrectionist, is not somebody who wants to commit violence. Right? saw somebody posted today, you know, 99.99999% of gun owners in America committed no crime today. But that's where it always goes immediately. It's always going first to the uh, to the gun control argument. I think that's going to be uh, a tougher argument to make because Colorado had the red flag laws. Now, maybe we'll find out why the red flags didn't pop, whether they were ignored or what. Why didn't. This guy who had, you know, had a standoff with police and a bomb threat had gotten felony charges filed against him for menacing and kidnapping. Uh, why? Why wouldn't that trip red flags? Seems kind of red flaggy to me. Why not? That's the one that that's one of the political uh, 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 battlegrounds, let's say. The other one is. LGBTQ. Two plus IA, I don't even know, right? The but the the drag queen story hour, the groomers, the the parental bill of rights, right? The the sexualization of kids, all of that stuff that's in that swirl on that issue, that's where they're really seeking to make political hay. And and they are. It is obvious that this is the case because the club Q was a gay bar gay club. There was a drag show going on at the time. It was advertised as a family-friendly drag show. Did that prompt the shooter to go? I think it's a pretty reasonable uh, uh speculation to say yes. I do. I think, okay, you've got a shooting at a gay nightclub and look, gay nightclubs, gay bars are targeted. Often gay people do get targeted, absolutely, by people who don't like usually their own lives, and then they take it out on gay people, but, like, they de- gay people get targeted. Absolutely. People who are different from whoever the wolf is get targeted. They're perceived as weak, they're perceived as less than, and they, they get targeted. So it's not surprising to me to make this connection, it's not irrational to make a connection between the fact that this club was a gay bar but also was doing the drag show, and then it got shot up. That seems to me to be a pretty... Uh, that's a pretty strong connection. Is it dispositive? Does it prove it? No, it does not. We don't know what the guy's motives were, and unless Richard, you want to call him De Fieri. Mr. Fie, uh, yeah, Richard Fierro, unless unless Richard Fierro beat the man to death with his own pistol, maybe we'll find out what his motives were. But until then, I don't know, and and the speculation is right now being used to advance political agendas, and also to shut down opposition, to shut down and make people cower. They want people who are calling out, like, for example, the uh, uh, Twitter account Libs of TikTok that posts videos that leftists post themselves. And all Libs of TikTok does is take these videos and put them on there. It just sort of aggregates these videos. And you see these leftists talking about, usually like their teachers talking about how they are using their classroom in order to discuss things with their, you know, young students about radical queer theory, radical gender theory. And parental pushback is not hate. Now, some of those parents might have hate in their hearts, to be sure. Some of the teachers, though, may have hate in their hearts, to be sure. I don't know. The point is that Opposition to what you're trying to force upon people, right, that's not violence. That doesn't inspire the violence. Indeed, I could make the argument that the seminal violence-provoking event is the act of bringing this material to young children. The opposition to you doing so is completely legitimate and and won't be silenced. I'm not going to stop talking about that because it's inappropriate. And this is, to me, the the disturbing and grotesque element of these types of stories is where now you're going to turn this event and you're going to say, you shouldn't be allowed to discuss this other thing because, first of all, I don't want you discussing it. But if you do, then that means you're just trying to create hate. You're trying to create violence. Speech is violence. And speech is not violence. So immediately after the shooting, we've got representative Democrat from New York named uh, Nidia or Nidia Velasquez and she says every GOP politician spewing anti-LGBTQ rhetoric bears responsibility for the shooting every GOP politician who says that guns are not the problem bears responsibility uh, enough okay so there you go so she, she gets the twofer right she goes after number one the LGBTQ connection and then the uh the, the gun violence okay um all this is an attempt to do is to get her opponents to shut up. This goes, you know, latest is a, it's another piece of evidence in a long line of shut uppery. This is the response that, oh, OK, so, uh, hey, I want to go and I want to talk to your kindergartner uh, about who I like to have the sexual relations with. And you as the parents say, no, I don't want you doing that. Uh, and here are the reasons why I think my child is too young for that. They don't understand that. I don't want them to be confused about these things. And I want them to stay innocent for as long as possible. It's not your role. You're a teacher. You're not the uh, you, you know, you're not the parent. And I hear all of these arguments. I hear all of these suggestions. And I think that's all very uh, well reasoned and rational and in reply. I would just say to you, shut up. Right. That's it. Just shut up. Shut up and let me do what I want. That's at the core of this attempt now to say you can't talk about these things. You can't have opinions and express them about what certain people and certain groups with political agendas and, and radical gender theorists and their agendas, like what they are trying to do. You're not allowed to have those discussions. Because a madman, let's assume that this madman heard all of that and this is what motivated him. Because he did that and decided to try to kill people, then you're not allowed to talk about the thing that animated him. So that means no more discussion about abortion, right? Not allowed to discuss that anymore. Banning it or having it, right? Because we've had violence on both sides of the aisle for that one. What's the limiting principle here? There isn't any. Except, you shut up. We get to keep talking, and you shut up. And 993 WBT 704 570 1110 and 1 800 WBT 1110. Email is Pete at the com. Alrighty, so PJ Media Matt Margolis, 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 Um, talking about the Colorado Springs Club Q shooting. He says. He, he cites the the tweet here from uh, a congresswoman out of New York that blamed every GOP politician spewing anti-LGBTQ rhetoric. They say they bear responsibility for the shooting. And every GOP politician who says guns are not the problem bears responsibility. So that is, that's like every, that's every Republican, right? That's every Republican. Because they all say mental health issues, you know, even the red flag law people, but... No, you're not, like, guns are not the problem, it's the people, it's what's in our hearts, it's our society, right? The, all of these different uh, factors and influences. So she's blaming every single Republican. Okay. What Margolis says is, folks on the left do this every time there's an incident that they can exploit for political gain. For example, in June of 2016, a shooter killed 49 people at Pulse. That was a gay nightclub in Orlando and the media quickly sought to blame conservative Christians for the shooting. And they concluded that the shooter specifically targeted the Pulse nightclub because it was a gay nightclub. Small problem, that wasn't true. For starters, the shooter wasn't even Christian. He was a Muslim, and he had pledged allegiance to ISIS. Also, the shooting was not about anti-LGBT hate. Vox.com, hardly a right wing publication, said, quote, there's now conclusive evidence that the shooter wasn't intending to target LGBTQ people at all. According to a report from the Huffington Post. Everyone got the Pulse Massacre story completely wrong. The shooter had never been to the bar before, whether as a patron or even to case the nightclub. Even prosecutors acknowledged in their closing statement that the Pulse nightclub was not his original target. It was the Disney Springs shopping and entertainment complex. Apparently at one point. The shooter of uh, at the Pulse nightclub. Asked one of the bodyguards or bouncers asked him where all the women were. (laughs) Didn't realize he is in a gay bar. Despite this. The myth that the attack was a hate crime specifically targeting the LGBT community remains alive and well. There's even a planned memorial and a museum dedicated to perpetu- uh, uh, perpetuating the lie that this was an LGBT hate crime. Much like the Gabby Gifford shooting, right? And the connection there with Sarah Palin. To the to the extent that even as recently as, what was it, a year ago? Not even a year ago, Maybe. Where the New York Times editorial board included, as an example of the speech equals violence premise, they said, oh, Sarah Palin's, you know, heated rhetoric or her, uh, it was essentially, it was a map. They They had a map. Uh, Sarah Palin, uh, when she was running for vice president, right, they had this map and it all of these congressional districts that were targeted. And so they put these little, you know, round circle with the with the cross through it. And here's the the bullseye target on each of the congressional districts that they're seating uh, or, or trying to unseat the incumbent Democrats or to beat the Democratic candidates. And Gabby Giffords was on there. And this was then turned into proof that she had somehow encouraged or incited The attack on her by that nut job, the nut job who thought grammar was a a plot by, you know, the Illuminati world people or whatever, the lizard brain people in order to uh, control our minds. He was insane. He was insane. He had written her letters before that were incoherent gibberish. And he attacked her and a bunch of other innocent people out at a shopping center where she was doing a candidate or a a constituent meet and greet. But people raced in there and accused Sarah Palin of inciting that attack. And the guy who did the attack had never seen the maps. He said in court he had never seen the maps, never heard anything about this. And even as recently as, what, a year or so ago, the New York Times editorial board puts that in one of their editorials talking about how all the evil Republicans incite violence. Now, mind you, we have had, uh, what, Christopher Wray, the director of the FBI, just the other day, he was up on Capitol Hill, he was testifying about um, uh, violence and domestic terrorism and and such, and he said, like, 70% of all of the... Um, Uh, Abortion-related attacks that have occurred in the last year have been, or maybe it's since the Dobbs decision, have been against uh, family pregnancy centers, these crisis pregnancy centers. 70% of them. So all violent activity that's being engaged in on that particular issue is directed towards the pro-lifers. Where are the calls from the media and the Democrats to rein in the hot political rhetoric from their side? You had, you had would-be assassins show up at the Supreme Court justices' homes. When people like this congresswoman from New York and countless others on social media try to blame Republicans for the shooting or immediately conclude it was a hate crime, they are part of the problem. According to the most recent report, the suspect has been identified. No motive has been determined yet by any law enforcement. That was... Uh, Matt Margulis at PJ Media. Then we go to Kevin Tober at NewsBusters.org who quotes uh, Brandon Wolf. Brandon Wolf serves as the press secretary of a radical LGBTQ activist group, Equality Florida, who tried to claim that conservatives are more concerned with protecting children from grooming than focusing on kitchen table issues like inflation. This was the This was the argument that Brandon Wolf tried to make. Ask people around the country what they're most concerned about, and they want to put food on the table for Thanksgiving dinner. They want to be able to put gas in their car. Yet we have an entire political party that's being held hostage by those who are made uncomfortable or seem to find their insecurities rooted in a drag queen sharing how tall her wig is. (laughs) Okay. Uh... Tober says, look, Wolf, you don't get to exploit people's children and then yell at them to focus on inflation. You don't get to do that. Sorry. These people should be absolutely ashamed of themselves and their rhetoric, that their vile language has turned into violence in a community that is now traumatized forever. That's from Wolf again. Tober responds, see how this works. They can put drag queens in your five-year-old's classroom, but if you object, you're to blame for any mass shooting at a gay nightclub. That's, that's the standard they're trying to establish here. And I say no. Me, personally, I say no. I do not agree to these terms. I don't agree to accept your standard. Because I know you don't apply that standard consistently to yourselves. This is not a, this is not a standard for anyone other than your political opponent. In which case then it's just merely a tactic. It's a weapon. It's not a standard. David Strom at HotAir.com says people on the left are accusing conservatives of inciting violence by attacking gender activists, criticisms of drag queen story hours, teachers who recruit children to secret communities for gay and transgender students, librarians for putting porn aimed at kids in school libraries abound. These stories are all out there. He says, I and others point out the obvious. What they are doing is exhibiting all the behaviors of sexual groomers, recruiting children to participate in sexualized activities inappropriate for their age. That is what grooming is. And this is the term that critics have applied to individuals who display that kind of behavior. They encourage children to transition, to get surgeries that mutilate them for life, to sterilize themselves for life, and perform sexualized shows for adults. Is our criticism of these activities inciting violence? And if so, is that criticism unacceptable? It's a legitimate question. If people are getting hurt or killed, what responsibility lies with people who are taking on the groomers? Is there any? Right? Is there any responsibility? And since many of the victims of these crimes are not engaged in the activities we are criticizing, what level of responsibility do we have for violence against totally innocent people? I and nobody I know wants any part of violence or to spark it. So let's get a couple things out of the way. The vast majority of gays and transgender folks are not engaged in grooming children. 1110 and 99.3 WBT. David Strom at HotAir.com says, let's get a couple of things out of the way. First off, the vast majority of LGBT folks are not engaged in grooming children. A lot of gay people have stood up and critiqued, for example, the transgender ideological movements, recruitment and propagandizing of kids. They understand there's a vast difference between what's appropriate for adults and what's appropriate for children, right? That's the first thing. Second thing, the murder rate for transgender-identified people is actually lower than the national average. Did you know that? The epidemic of hate and violence towards transgender folks is largely a myth. According to the Williams Institute at UCLA, there are 1.6 million people who identify as transgender in the United States. The Human Rights Campaign claims that 57 people who are transgender were murdered last year. The murder rate in the U.S. is 6.52 people per 100,000. 6.52. Six and a half. Hence, the expected number of murders out of a population of 1.6 million should be 104. But it's not. It was 57. So half. Half. That's remarkable and seems implausible. I would have expected the murder rate to be above average, given the basic demographics of the transgender population in terms of location, income, and other comorbidities to numerous to mention. Certainly below average murder rate's a good thing, no? It's not evidence of an epidemic of hate. Now, there are other kinds of violent crimes that do appear to occur more often to transgender people, but it's difficult to know how the demographics shake out in terms of race, income, drug use, where they live, et cetera, et cetera. There are all sorts of demographic uh, criteria. And if you don't know those factors, it's difficult to say what extent being transgender itself impacts the likelihood of being subject to some sort of violent crime short of murder. What we can say is that murder rates are lower than average for transgender folks than for cisgendered folks. And that rates of other violent crimes are higher for them. Both stats need an explanation beyond simply transgender. Later on in this piece, again, this is David Strom at HotAir.com. Later on, he says, we have um, other evidence that the claim that criticizing the transgender ideological movement has not sparked unusual violence. Hundreds, perhaps thousands of teachers, students, doctors, and others have advertised and celebrated their activities on TikTok and other social media platforms, many of them gleefully describing their grooming activities or participation in transgender-related recruiting. These people have not been targets of attack. They parade around. They're easily accessible. They're not in hiding. They're, to borrow a phrase, out and proud. There are no lynch mobs. Now, there is a debate about what they're doing, And yes, there is anger that they are doing it. Right. But that's the problem, I think, here is that there is debate. That's the issue. There is debate. And I suspect there are people uh, that are having the debate that are afraid they are losing it the longer it goes on. I've seen the polling. We've talked about the polling. Same thing with abortion. Same thing with gun control. I've got something on the gun control. Gallup just did a gun control poll again. The epidemic of violence is not in evidence. And unless somebody is inciting violence directly, they cannot be held responsible for the behavior of an insane person. Critics of the public school system are not responsible for school shootings. Critics of Republicans were not responsible for the baseball field attack on Steve Scalise and the other Republicans. Critics of drag queen story hours are not responsible for shootings of gay nightclubs. Maxine Waters. okay, well, actually, she is responsible for the harassment of Trump officials in restaurants because she directly called for it. See, that's how it works. When you directly call for somebody to be targeted and then that person gets targeted, then, yes, you have responsibility. You have culpability. But simply Talking about a topic doesn't make you responsible for the behavior of anybody else. Calling for the violence makes you complicit, even responsible. Criticizing people makes you a participant in public life. And so the effort to shut you up isn't really, it's an effort to make you disengage from public life. Because a long march through an institution is made way easier when there isn't any opposition. If we want to reduce violence in America, a good start would be putting all of these known wolves in jail when they commit crimes, rather than letting them roam free to commit more and more and more violent crimes. So do you think there might be a rush to make it about Republican LGBTQ rhetoric versus how the guy made his way through the revolving door of justice? Maybe? Maybe? You think there is a political benefit to that? Of course there is. This is why it's so repugnant. Then we go to the AP, as published at the uh at PBS.org. Headline. State level anti-transgender legislation reverberates on day of remembrance. Note the adoption of the branding the adoption of the branding that occurs media always adopts the democrats preferred brand the don't say gay bill literally they say that they use that term in this story the don't say gay bill doesn't bill didn't do that bill didn't say can't say gay that was democrats branding around the bill because they they want to hide the fact that the bill says no you can't teach k through second or third graders about, you know, Miss Molly's 17 sex partners. Like you can't you, you can't be teaching them about that and pansexualism and such. Age appropriate restrictions on material, which used to be a pretty, I don't know, universally accepted idea. That's why we have the ratings on our movies, on our video games. Right? It's why you can't get tattoos until you're a certain age. You can't buy alcohol. Right, There are things that are age-appropriate and things that are not. And it seems like there are some folks that want the age-appropriate level for sex ed to begin at kindergarten. And they want to be in charge of it with your kids. And there are parents that are saying no. And rather than make an argument in defense of their position, they would just prefer you shut up. And that's why you get the branding of anti-transgender legislation, the don't say gay bill. No, no, it's not a parental bill of rights. It's not a, you know, child protection bill. It's not a save women's sports bill. No, no, it's anti-LGBTQ. And then they say any anti-LGBTQ speech or policy is hate, and we have to abolish all hate, block all hate, deplatform all hate. That's why words have meaning. So I reject the premise that these bills are, quote, anti-LGBT. I just reject the premise, the, assu- the, the assertion, the narrative crafting. Hey, a reminder tonight, 5 o'clock, free event, although you do need tickets, at uh, Bank of America Stadium, the Carolina Panthers and Charlotte FC going to host the annual Tree Lighting Festival. It's presented by Atrium Health. And tons of stuff to do there. you got the photo booths. There's a uh, letter writing station. You know, write letters to Santa. Free hot chocolate. Uh, and you can also do some cool things for uh, some of the patients that are at the Levine Children's Hospital. Uh, making fleece blankets with the Top Cats and holiday cards. For the patients, special guests include Top Cats, obviously, uh, Sir Purr, Sir Minty, and Santa Claus. So, they, and the NFL clear bag policy is in effect. So, transparent plastic vinyl bag, you know that whole thing. Uh, again, that's tonight at five o'clock. Uh, All righty. So, the AP has this story published again at PBS.org, um, where they well. Uh, this is the adoption of a narrative in order to advance a political agenda and this is this is how it sounds. Persistent efforts by North Carolina's legislature to restrict transgender lives. Persistent efforts to restrict their lives. Again, this is where I point out, literally all laws restrict lives in some way. All laws do. And when you Allow things to persist without a law governing it, that also may not in all cases, but it can restrict some other people's lives. For example, I'm just going to make up an example here. Let's just say, um, let's just say you're a woman and uh, you were, uh, you're a survivor of uh, an assault, and uh, you go and join a gym. And you're working out, and after the gym, you go to the locker room, and all of a sudden you see, uh, as you're disrobing, uh, and you've got what appear to be men changing next to you. That might be an uncomfortable thing for a, uh, a survivor of abuse to be around. Right? That would be triggering. That would be traumatic to them. It would uh, It would prompt feelings of prior trauma, make them relive things. And uh, and so they would now have to restrict themselves from going to that particular gym. Right. They'd have to make adjustments because there were no rules about who can be in the locker room or not. And if you tried to pass rules, you would be shut down. So they don't have rules regarding that. So now you have to restrict your own life. See, this is people make these types of decisions all the time. I can't go here. In fact, the hero at the Club Q uh, nightclub shooting, Richard Fierro, he had talked about at length in this article, uh, you know, he's Iraq war and uh, uh, Afghanistan uh, combat vet, and how he talked about how he wouldn't go out to large, uh, crowded places for years. So he self-restricted because of his PTSD. I mean, there's no government law regarding that, obviously, but people make these types of decisions all the time. So then um, they tell the story through a person Okay. we're going to go ahead and I guess break in now with the Charlotte Mecklenburg Police Department's press conference on the downed helicopter
1: in Charlotte. We received a call for a helicopter crash on I-77 on the southbound side. Uh, Officers responded to the scene and tragically uh, confirmed that there was a helicopter crash, as well as uh, two victims who had who were deceased on the scene. Uh, currently, we're still uh, investigating the, in, the incident uh, with CMPD is assisting in traffic control and the diversion of traffic. Uh, we are not able to release any information about the helicopter itself and also about the victims that were inside of the helicopter as well. Uh, what I can confirm with you is that no vehicles were involved in the, in the uh, incident uh, and that the, vehicle, the helicopter crash occurred off, of, off to the side of the roadway. Uh, the uh, NTSB and the FAA will be conducting the investigation, and the Charlotte-Mecklenburg Police Department, at this time, along with the Charlotte Fire Department and the North Carolina State Highway Patrol, uh, will be assisting in uh, securing the scene uh, and awaiting the arrival of uh, the investigators for the FAA and the NTSB. Uh, so, with that, uh, I will take any questions that you might have, with the understanding that I cannot uh, discuss the victims uh, as. Well- well as the aircraft that had uh, that has crashed when you say you can't talk about the aircraft do you mean like confirm what where the aircraft came from that's correct it, it is a small uh, helicopter aircraft that is that has crashed uh, but however, as far as identifying uh, where the aircraft is from, that is something that uh, we're not ready to release. I so just ask the respect of the families. We do have to make some notifications, uh, and uh, that's going to take some time, but uh, as soon as we get that that information, I'm sure it will be released. Chief, can you just speak at yes. how difficult this is during this time? It, it, yeah, it's, it's it's very difficult. It's tragic in that, uh, and on top of that, we're looking at going into the holiday season where uh, we're supposed to be spending time with our loved ones, uh, and tragically there are two people uh, involved in this crash that will not be going home and will not be spending the holidays uh, with their families, so it's a huge loss, tragic loss, and it's just uh, something that you can't put into words uh, to try and... Uh, you know, offer condolences to the families. I do ask that we do pray for the families uh, of both of these victims. Uh, it's going to be a difficult holiday season for them.
0: I know I know it's early right now and you can't speak to the investigation, but are you uh, witnesses? There are reports that witnesses have called some heroics here as to where this helicopter
1: landed compared to
0: where it could have.
1: That's correct. I have heard that as well. That um, it seems the pilot that was uh, operating the aircraft uh, made some diversionary moves to avoid hitting traffic. Fortunately, there was no vehicles involved in it, and I think that's uh, uh, as we move forward. To me, it looks like a heroic um, uh, um, incident where the pilot uh, tried to avoid uh, injuring anyone else uh, and putting anyone else in danger. And it, if if that is truly the case, then uh, that pilot is a hero to, in my eyes, to uh, make sure that the safety and security of those that were driving on the road uh, was not in jeopardy. So. Do you have an idea about how many uh, witnesses there might have been that you guys have been able to speak to? Uh, I'm not sure. I know there's a couple that had stayed on the scene, uh, but we're still looking at uh, anyone who was a witness to it. Uh, it's certainly, I'm sure the NTSB and the FAA is, is going to be uh, uh, interested in speaking with those individuals. Uh, I don't have information on how to get in touch with, with them at this time, but I, I'm sure that that's something that uh, they'll be interested in having that conversation. investigators are on their way now. How long do you believe that scene and the traffic to be closed? Yeah, so right now traffic is closed uh, on 77 southbound uh, between Tavola and Arrowwood Road. I uh, don't anticipate that opening anytime soon, so anyone who can avoid that area, if that's a, if that's a route of your destination, uh, please that avoid that area if at all possible, uh, because traffic is going to be backed up for some time, uh, and I, I anticipate it going through rush hour uh, and possibly through the night. But as investigators arrive, I don't have an estimated time of arrival for them. But as they arrive, we're gonna be looking for the need to continue to have all of the lanes blocked. And if we can certainly open up a lane or two to allow traffic to flow, we will would, we would do that uh, when possible. But again, as I mentioned, uh, the charlotte mecklenburg Police Department, the, the, the Charlotte Fire Department, and the North Carolina Highway Patrol are assisting in this to ensure that uh, uh, that we have traffic flow and safety of that of that scene as much as possible. When we look at the crash, no, at this time there was no indication that there was any type of fire. Uh, again, we looked at, uh, heard from some of the witnesses that the uh, pilot did try to avert and to avoid uh, hitting any vehicles. Uh, and uh, from the looks of where the scene was and the crash was, uh, the pilot was successful in not uh, going into the roadway and hitting any vehicles. So uh, that's certainly a heroic act and, and probably saved some lives.
0: All right. Anybody else? Did you wanna- All right, thank you very much, everybody. All right, that was uh, yes, uh, Charlotte Mecklenburg, police chief of when what no, wait, wait, hang on. I
1: have no yeah. idea. I, oh, yeah. You know, I think what we're going to end up doing is um, that's going to be turned over to the uh, NTSB and the FAA. Uh, really, our, invest- our part of the investigation is is more at this point just to make sure we secure the scene, uh, keep traffic flowing, and uh, uh, and make sure that they have everything they need as far as when they get here for the investigation. So I don't know if we'll do another stand up uh, from CMPD or not. So. All so right, that's the, sure. the FAA or whatever it would be here then. Um, yeah, I, I have no idea. Okay. No, it, I, I don't even have an ETA for when they're going to be okay. here. So. All right, All right. All
0: righty. You. so you heard that's the police chief, Charlotte Meckler, police chief Johnny Jennings talking about the NTSB. The FAA is going to be conducting the investigation. Uh, local uh, emergency response will be uh, supporting uh, whatever, you know, whatever they can do to uh, support that effort. I-77 uh, looking to be closed, possibly through the night but that's just going to be a decision that's going to be made later on as the investigators arrive and they start uh, collecting evidence and gathering the information they need to, and then they'll open up lanes as they can. But right now, I-77 is uh, shut down.